Um, if you would just turn with me this morning to the 23rd Psalm. Psalms 23, very familiar psalm. No matter where you were raised, what denomination or as long as it was Christian, <laughs> you know the 23rd Psalm or you should, amen? And uh, I remember learning about the 23rd Psalm when I was in Sunday school at Wildwood Baptist Church, Wildwood Baptist Church. And um, I remember my Sunday school teacher, I can't remember her name, but I can tell you I'm going to see her in heaven. But she taught us, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I'll walk with him always. He leads me beside still waters. I'll walk with him always. We used to sing that song, and I knew a portion of the 23rd Psalm before I ever was a born-again Christian in the church. You know, you're not born saved you become a born-again believer when you receive Christ into your life. You know, I think it was George Bush that was told by his parents, well, there's those that, because he got born again, and he said he said he got born again, and I just take him at his word. I, you know, but some people say, well, I disagree. Well, you know, we're not to judge, amen. But, but his mom and dad, I believe it was his mother, somebody told him in his family, well, there's those of us that are just born Christians and then there's those of us that have to be born again. And I said, wrong. I said, we all need to be born again. Nobody's born a believer. You must become one. Amen. And it's so simple and easy just believing in Christ, but uh, he changes your life and there's an evidence there. Amen. And this morning in Psalms 23, I want to read it to you and then I'm going to just share what God would have me to speak this morning. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. There's a tabernacle in Christ. There is, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not a building. It's a, it's a position in God. It's, a, it's an experience. It's an inheritance. It's, a, it's being in the presence of God and Him being in you and I. Because the Bible says, you know, we're the, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want to pray and then we'll get right into this. So if you would just pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great opportunity this morning to open up your word and God talk about you and minister the, to the people about you. And Lord, I'm grateful for every experience and everything that I've ever went through in my life where you have shown me your love, your grace, your mercy. 
God, your long-suffering, your providence, God, your safety, your help, your healing. You have been everything to me, my provider. You've been the healer of my mind, the healer of my soul. You've been the healer and restorer of everything in my life. And I'm thankful today for that, that I can stand behind this pulpit with something to say. (laughs) Not something I think, but God, something I know. And so I pray today that you will just bring the anointing that will make speaking and preaching effective. And God, that you'll stir the heart of each and every person. And God will give you all the glory and honor for you are a good, good father and a good shepherd. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I could not move away from what God impressed in my spirit as I began to be in prayer yesterday. And you know, a lot of times there's things that maybe I think that the church needs to hear or something that I may even be reading or something in prayer that might come to my mind. But, but as I begin to you know, try to put something together out of the book of Acts, the first chapter, and I'm not saying that that wasn't important, but as I begin to pray and seek the Lord, I was impressed in my spirit by the still small voice that God was speaking to me and through me, preach or teach on a relationship teach on a relationship because we live in a day and a time that you know people have put such a focus on self and such a focus on my ministry and and all of these things that turn internal when God wants us to focus upon him our focus must be upon him Because when you're going through a tragedy in your life, you're not going to draw off of all of the things that you've accomplished in God. You're going to draw off of what you know in the Father and what you know in Christ. You're going to draw off of your relationship with God, not all of the benefits or all of the incidental uh, you know, extensions of your experience in God. And I'm going to hopefully this morning be able to break that apart. But God said, I want you to teach on relationship because that is what the church needs to hear because there's going to come a time when they're going to draw off of that and they're going to look back to that. And what you've taught them is going to be the greatest blessing to their life. John, the beloved, leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. And he had great revelation, but he had a heart for God. He had a heart for Christ. And he wrote more about love, more about the love of God and our love towards God. He wrote more about the beauty of a relationship than any other apostle. So God said... Teach on the blessing and the blessedness of a relationship with me. Teach on the satisfaction and the fulfillment and the joy and the safety of a real relationship with the Lord. Why do you say safety, Pastor? Because the devil will get you on a bunny trail in your life. When, let me just tell you something of 32, almost 32, 33 years of being a Christian. It's not all of those bunny trails that he takes you on that's going to carry you in your darkest hour or moment in life. It's going to be your relationship with God. That deep, tender relationship that you're going to lean upon. And there's safety there. There's safety there. 
Because there is too much, way too much focus on us. Too much attention and time and effort and stress, even discouragement uh, that we deal with because somehow the devil has successfully put the focus upon us. Just like he did in the Garden of Eden when he told Eve, you know, uh, you, you know, you'll not surely die, but when you partake of this, you'll become like a God. Amen. You'll become like a God. Now we got preachers that are saying that we are gods. It's false doctrine. There is a God in heaven, and we worship him. We're not equal with him. Amen. Somehow the devil successfully put the focus on us, our performance, and it has bred an inordinate affection to a man-centered type of experience. But I can tell you something. We don't just need the power of God. We need a relationship with God. That's what we need. That's what's so beautiful. That's what drew me as a, as a, a young man that was, that was a mess. I was broken down. I was abused. And I was, had been violated. And all of these things that had taken place in my life. And I was, a, I was a mess from the floor up. But I came into that church and somebody told me about the love of Jesus. And how God loved me so much that he sent his only son to die for me. And that through the sacrifice I could receive everything that I need to be saved and healed and restored. And I went running to that altar and I stand here today born again and redeemed. Enjoying the greatest relationship and reconnection with God you could ever have. Our victory is found right here in this 23rd Psalm. Do you hear me? Right here in a relationship that's total trust and dependence on the Good Shepherd. I didn't come to preach no, no out there living on the fringe controversial kind of a message about something spiritual. Amen. I came to preach to you about your relationship with God. A, a relationship with Him who is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I can tell you, if you don't tap into that relationship with him, you'll be like King Saul, and you'll seek out some other mode of mysticism, and you'll be seeking a witch of Endor to try to get a word. Did you hear me? When God wants us just to stay right there at the feet of Jesus. Mighty God. Now David penned. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, we quote this, this, this passage, but it's so rich. It's so deep. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There is not a greater affinity in the animal kingdom than a sheep and a shepherd. That's the reason why God used this biblically, this analogy or this type of us being sheep and him being our shepherd. There's no greater uh, you know, affinity than what you're going to see there. Uh, if you view the Lord as your shepherd, you find out from John chapter 10 that Jesus said, I am that good shepherd, and that good shepherd goes before you. He doesn't expect you to lead the way he leads you. Amen? He leads you and I. It's a beautiful thing whenever somebody goes before you 
and he goes before us. When there's danger, everybody always wants somebody else to go ahead. (laughs) Why don't you go first? You go. No, you go. Well, Jesus said, I go before you. Amen. I'm your shepherd. And, and you you got to view the shepherd with that in mind that he goes before us and he leads us. That's what he said in John 10. And he knows us by name. Aren't you thankful that he knows your name? And we know his voice and we recognize that. So there's this beautiful relationship of God knowing us and us knowing him. There's never been a time that I can think of in my entire marriage that my wife called me and I didn't know who was on the other line, on the other end of that phone. There have been other people I didn't know. I called Sister Susan the other day at work. She's not used to me calling her at work. In fact, I don't think I've ever called her at work. Susan's Becky's mom. Masterson, and I said, well, hello, Susan, and she was like, hello, and I said, do you know who this is, and she said, not really, I said, well, this is your pastor, she said, well, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and she hears a lot of voices, and so I could see where there might be that, you know, confusion there, or maybe a a surprise of me calling, she didn't recognize my voice at the beginning, but I believe if I'd have kept on talking, she'd have known, but I can tell you, Sister Skiles knows my voice, and I know hers. The shepherd speaks to us, and we know his voice. That's the place God wants us to come to. That we can be even in our lowest moment and we can hear His faint voice and we can rejoice and recognize He is with us. Amen, church, today. This is a wonderful thought. I don't want you today to leave this place and say, well, He just preached some devotional boring thing. No, there's nothing boring about a relationship with the Lord. This is a beautiful thing, so grasp it today. Lay hold upon it today because the greatest thing you could ever know is know your Lord and Savior as your shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And He said, I shall not want. What a relationship. This is the pinnacle of satisfaction when you don't want for for nothing. And I'm not talking about your rent being paid or your car note being paid or food on the table. All those things are provisions from God that He will meet and take care of in your life. But the want that He's talking about is that nothing else can satisfy you in your spirit man but a relationship with Him. People have found that money is not going to do it for you. The woman at the well found out six relationships wasn't going to do it for her. Hallelujah. The drug addict knows another fix is not going to do it for him. But I can tell you, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. He takes care of the want in your life eternally and he satisfies every longing that you have. You won't get no satisfaction until you have this kind of relationship. Amen. I guess old Mick Jagger was right. He ain't going to get no satisfaction in the things in this world. But I can tell you, I got satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Amen. 
There's a lot I do not know concerning God and His Word, doctrine, or even prophecy. But one thing that I do know is the value and the joy and the beauty of a focused relationship unto God. This I know for sure. I know it. I know it. Because many times I've been back to that place where I've just crawled up in the lap of my Lord and said, you are my shepherd and I need you. Amen. I need you. I need you, Lord. He is my everything. And you say, well, pastor, how do you arrive at that place? Well, I want to tell you something. When God has rescued you, rescued a person like he rescued me, and that's every one of us, you will know what it means to have such a relationship. It's kind of like the old Indian, you know. The old Indian chief was standing back and he's watching and he's looking down and he saw a little creep of a kid there in his tribe. You know, little boys can be mischievous and devious and cruel at times. Amen. Little girls too sometimes. But Jesus comes in, he changes all of that. But that little boy had a big old grub worm down there and he had him in a, he put coals in a circle. He put coals in a circle and he put that worm in the middle of that circle and everywhere that worm turned was fire his life was being you know consumed right there and that little boy ran away from what he left in that circle which was the that worm alive that old chief went over there and he picked up that worm out of that circle and he went and he put it over in the bush back in the dirt what that tells you and I is that God rescues us when we cannot help ourselves amen he is there to pick us up when we cannot help ourselves. What a gracious God it is that we serve, that He would reach down to you and I and He would pick us up. There's an old song the gospel uh, singers used to sing when the Savior reached down for me, He had to reach way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son, but the Savior reached down and He picked me up out of that place where I could not help myself. So this morning if you're here and you cannot help yourself and that's every one of us, you have a Savior that's watching your life and He wants to pick you up out of the middle of that circle. Hallelujah! You say, I'm struggling with alcohol. The Lord is your shepherd. That can be your testimony, but it has to be your faith too. You have to put your faith in the shepherd. You can't say, well, I'm hoping by just coming to church that maybe this will just splash off on me. No, you have to put your faith and trust in him. Then you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Ooh. shepherd reached down for us mark this in your Bible please Romans 8.32 everybody goes he's going to say Romans 8.28 no Romans 8.32 says he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all in other words he allowed his son to be crucified. They didn't take Jesus without Jesus laying down his life. But God and man came down here to die for the sins of humanity and restore the soul 
of you and I, of lost humanity. And he said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also? Whew, did you get that? I read that this morning and I said, Say what? Let me back up and rewind here for just a second. What did I just read? God not only gave His only Son, but also with that, for you and me, He will freely give you all things. Did you read that? Let me read it again. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us. What a God. What a shepherd. What a mighty, mighty God. How shall He not with Him also freely Give us all things. He freely gave His Son, and He gives us everything that goes with the Son. The Bible says in verse 2 of Psalms 23, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's, you know, healthy sheep, thriving sheep, are glorifying sheep. They bring glory to God. They bring glory to God. I read an old book called The Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm, a real legitimate shepherd. And what he said was, I would go and I would see sheep in another pasture. And they would just be standing there looking through the fence. And he said, here's my sheep, fat and flourishing, because I cared about them. I named them. I numbered them. They belonged to me. Everything about them I knew. They knew my voice, and another they wouldn't follow. This is a natural thing, not just with spiritual things, but a real shepherd. The sheep will only listen to him. They'll be scared to death and scatter if they get around somebody that's a stranger. I remember one time I was at a farm of a family member, and I said, I see that big old steer out there, a steer, cow, whatever it was. I don't even remember. But I, I said, man, I'd like to get a good look at that. Him, he's far away. And that old farmer, I don't know, he was a cousin of mine or a friend of a cousin. I don't even remember. It's been so long ago. But he stood out there and he said, Skip! Skip! Here come that cow. Skip! Whatever he was saying, I thought, here he comes. He said, he knows that voice. For feed, he knows that voice. He's staying all the way over there on the other side of the world because he don't know you. He don't know anything about you. He don't know your voice, but he knows mine. Let me get back to this. I got to look at my notes here for a second. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Healthy sheep or thriving sheep or glorifying sheep. So the shepherd said, I saw those sheep over there. And his sheep looked so weakly, so thin, so unkept. And he goes, here's my fat sheep over here with wool flowing out of every orifices. They're just flowing in the wool. They're clean. They're healthy. Because they got a good shepherd. And it was like those sheep on the other side of that fence were just looking, saying, man. I wish I could be under his shepherding and in his sheepfold. 
I can tell you nobody's excluded from the sheepfold of the Lord if you want to be. We choose what we want. You want to continue in that? You choose that. But he makes me to lie down in green pastures means that we, he takes us into places where we'll be healthy, where we'll be thriving, where we will feast upon the green pasture, not the stubble, not the wood, not the sandy places or the, the uh, 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 drought-fulfilled places. But he brings us into the best and wants us resting in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The fast waters are dangerous. Why? Because sheep won't drink where they're not where they're not uh, where there's a, a potential for them to be startled. They will not drink. They need a calm stream to drink from. But where there's a river and you'd think they'd get down there, no, it's not safe because if a sheep falls in there, they're going to get saturated and their wool's going to become like the sponge and drop them to the bottom of that water. It's dangerous. They like the calm. Amen. That's why I'm going to share something and I'm going to say something that's just my personal spiritual opinion. But I think a lot of the music today, and there's some great worship music that's coming out, there's a lot of music that comes out that there's no peace in it. There is zip peace in it. That's why I have to step back and say, God, why would you create something that sounds like something you would hear in an African nation from a pagan group of people. Hello. That's why this morning the Lord said, I want you to sing the old songs your dad used to sing. They stir my heart. They comfort me. Not that God isn't using new things. Please hear what I'm saying. But there's a lot of things that people put more emphasis on the beat and the style than they do the anointing that created it in the first place. God has a music. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he anoints it. He anoints it. And so there's a stream that is peaceful, that doesn't startle, that doesn't startle the sheep. I heard a man one time, it was Robert Gordon, I believe, he was listening to some music, and I said, wow. He goes, yeah. He goes, I, you know, I can't really enter into worship with that, but I can paint my house listening to it. He said it, not me. But I'm going to tell you, there's some songs that I, I could not enter in. Then there's other songs I can enter in. I come into his presence because the Spirit of God is leading you in that place. Amen. It's God's music. But he said he, he leads me beside the still waters. Because fast waters are dangerous. Sheep won't drink where they're startled and they're dead if they fall in. All of the speech here in Psalms 23 is poetic. It's eloquent, but also very spiritual. Our spirit man's condition is God's first order of business in our life. He restores our soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth thy soul. Why? You know, the fall of Adam's sin. Listen, there's some theology here. The fall of Adam's sin. We believe the Bible in the book of Genesis where it talks about how Adam and Eve sinned by partaking of the forbidden fruit. Amen. 
They listened to the lie of the enemy, turned in on themselves, considered themselves equal with God, and it caused a curse upon the earth, and every man born, woman, or child born into this life, every person that's birthed is birthed with an Adamic nature, with a fallen nature. And the fall of Adam's sin diverted man's focus to a broken, confused, misguided, mispurposed life. If you will, the word perverted. We use the word for something that is sexually illicit. But the devil turns everything and makes it the opposite of what God created it to be. Okay? If it's a marriage, the devil wants to bring divorce. If it's, if, it's, if it's a man and a woman, the devil wants to make it a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Or a who knows what with a who knows what. Everything is perverted. Amen. He wants to turn everything and make it something that's perverted. A perverted life altogether opposite of the Creator's design and intention. And the salvation of our soul is the restoration of its original place and purpose, which is hopefully and totally devoted to the Lord. I'm not hopelessly devoted. I am hopefully devoted. You say, you're all into the 80s and 70s today. 70s and 80s and 60s, whatever, I don't know. All I know is this, that I have a hope in my heart which has led me to a place of deep devotion. I don't have a hopeless devotion. I have a hopeful devotion. Amen. And so as I read this, I'm so stirred at the restoration of our soul. Uh, I cannot stress this enough. Our salvation being born again is just this, a right normal, restored, spiritual relationship with the Lord. That's it. It's not you becoming something that you weren't created to become. Well, they're trying to make me be a holy Joe. No, God's trying to save you and bring you back to what He created you to be. A right relationship with the shepherd. The restoration of the soul is back on the righteous path. And he said, he restoreth my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm back on the righteous path. Back on the holy highway. I said that on Thursday night. And I don't know if everybody knows that that is in the Bible. In chapter 35 of Isaiah, and I love it, I've preached it before. But in verse 8, he said, in a highway, this is, what, this is what the Lord was going to do and has done in giving us Christ and restoring our life. He said, in a highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up therein. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk on that holy highway. 
and the ransom of the Lord, that's you and I, shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Jesus saved me and my broken heart was healed. You say, well, that didn't happen to me yet. Well, if, you've, if it's something that is very recent and fresh, God wants to heal that in you. That if you got your heart broken 15 years ago, you need to come to the cross of Calvary and let God's blood wash that and His Holy Spirit and His grace heal you. It has to change. It has to stop. At some point, you cannot continue on with a victimhood that this happened to me in my life. 15, 20, 30 years ago, I said, my God, you've lived that long under and beneath or beneath uh, and the joys of salvation and the happiness that you can have in Jesus. You've lived groping in the darkness, hoping for something when you can live in the fullness of it. I remember God spoke to me one day and he said, you are there at that place of brokenness and self-pity. And broken downness from years ago because you've chosen that, Jonathan. You chose to do that. But you're not a victim anymore. You've chosen to be a victim. In Christ, you're a victor. Amen. Hallelujah. In Christ, you don't have a mess anymore. You've got a message. Hallelujah. In Christ, he brings you through the test to a place of a testimony. Hallelujah. He brings a blessing upon your life. He brings a joy into your life. Amen. You're blessed. You don't have to go through that. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't have to be a broken down, hurt little boy anymore. You don't have to go back and talk about all of the things that happened to you when you were a child. You're not there anymore. You're here now. And I'm going to rejoice in the goodness of God and that he's my shepherd and he will restore my soul. Some of you, he's restoring your soul. You felt the touches of God, but you go through those times where you fall back into that, but God wants to pull you back up. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants to pull you back up. That's right. He wants to restore our heart, our soul. He wants to restore us. He wants to renew us. There's a joy in that, and you can have the testimony. The Lord is my shepherd, and he has restored my soul. Hallelujah. He restoreth my soul. So we're back on that holy highway. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. When the Lord's your shepherd, he's going to lead you in righteousness. He doesn't, you do not just receive the blessings and the benefits of salvation and being in right standing in relationship with God without God. We live in a generation that wants the blessings without the relationship with God. Well, it don't work that way. Amen. It don't work that way. Praise God. I have a relationship with my wife. We have a covenant, a marital covenant, and there's privileges, blessings, and benefits that come with that. Praise the Lord. I love her. She loves me. 
And you know what? As I've always said, we've been married for 29 years, and it seems like it's been the best 19 years of our life. Because the first 10 years were rough. You know, we say for better or for worse, it was a lot of worse. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. Let's just be real. But through laying before the Lord and being in a relationship and, and having a father in heaven who pulled me in close to himself and said, Jonathan, This is how you're supposed to treat your wife. This is how you're supposed to love your wife. I'd get up, and I would interact with my wife. We'd talk. We'd have a a few good days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. Then, you know, I'd, I'd go into that deep place again, and I'd fall back into victimhood and all that trash again and go back. And, and then I'd have to go back to the Father and say, Lord, you're my shepherd. I love you. And he said, I'm everything to you. Come on. I'm trying to restore your soul. See, what happens is people have an experience with God, but then the first time they go through a low moment, they walk away. That's when you need to run to God because that's 